depending how you calculate all this, you know, infrastructure stimulus, uh, I would say it will be beyond uh, one trillion yuan at least. Welcome to Energy 360, the podcast from the Energy Security and Climate Change Program at CSIS. I'm your host, Lisa Highland. We're bringing you a new series of episodes focused on how countries and regions are dealing with the energy and climate impacts of COVID-19. This week, we asked experts from India, China, and the Middle East to share the biggest changes they see happening in energy markets, how governments are responding, and what we might expect from regional and international engagements. I'm Ben Cahill with the CSIS Energy Program, and I'm very pleased to be joined today by Yao Li, who is the CEO of SIA Energy. SIA Energy is a China-focused consulting firm based in Beijing. Today, we're going to cover how China's energy sector is being affected by COVID-19. Yao, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, it's a great honor to be here, Ben. So I thought we could start by um, just stepping back a little bit and uh, just talking about what the impact of COVID-19 has been like generally for China's energy sector. What are the challenges that have come up? Uh, what has happened since the outbreak first occurred a few months ago? Thank you. Um, the, uh, obviously, uh, COVID-19 um, had the first uh, large-scale outbreak in, in China. I mean, we've been through everything that developed countries are going through now. And now we're in the beginning of May. It looks like most of businesses are back to work. Uh, traffic is back, energy consumption. Uh, resume to positive growth. So the impact basically lasted from uh, the end of January, basically to the end of, I would say, first half of, of March. So that two months was really the worst. And then, and then now we're, we're coming out of it. So, you know, if you look at, for example, the PMI index, it went down uh, to like minus uh, 30, uh, around 30 uh, in February, but rebounded to above 50 in March. And in April, it's still above 50. So that's for the economy. You can see it's, it's, it's a basically a V-shaped rebound. So Yao, can you just tell us a little bit about what the impact has been for crude oil and products in the last couple of months since the downturn began and what signs of life you're seeing? Do you expect that China's going to rebound to a full recovery where it was before COVID-19 in terms of product demand? Sure. In February, actually, our oil demand plunged by nearly two thirds. But coming into March, we had a fairly strong uh, rebound. And right now, in early May, I think our nationwide recovery is roughly uh, 95% for gasoline. And uh, for, but for diesel, it's already beyond 100%, which means we have nearly 10% growth for diesel demand year on year. Looking out, we actually are, are, are forecasting uh, the 3% of uh, oil product demand growth in the whole year of 2020. That translates into more than 400,000 barrels per day of uh, product demand growth, of which um, NAFTA and LPG 
uh, diesel and asphalt uh, will probably drive the drive the growth. But kerosene, which is related to the aviation industry, will probably uh, be a thirty percent negative growth. Uh, this is what we have now. So very strong on diesel and the gasoline is also fully, almost fully back, 95%. Wow, that sounds like a pretty robust recovery. Um, can you talk a little bit about what the impact has been on the gas and LNG sector? I mean, China's obviously the, probably the world's most critical LNG demand center and source of growth. We did see reports of cargoes being turned away and some Chinese companies trying to declare force majeure in order not to take LNG cargoes. What's your outlook on gas demand coming out of this? Um, gas actually is, uh, again, not, not a, a totally bad story. I know only negative news uh, hit the newspapers. But actually, uh, you know, of course, in February, it's a big plunge. But if you look at, you know, the first quarter of 2020, our um, apparent gas consumption went up by 6% year-on-year growth. Um, And uh, um, imports also grew, but uh, pipeline gas basically were mostly depressed because of the cost and competitiveness uh, due to long distance of transmission. So, yeah, one question I had is, how has China been reacting to these extremely low oil prices that we've seen by adding to inventories, uh, both commercial inventories and strategic petroleum reserves? Um, Typically, China uses low oil prices as an opportunity to build stocks. Is that taking place? Do you see any uh, interesting patterns to note here in inventory builds? This, this, actually, you know, China has um, fairly large of... uh, storage capacity, uh, totally, I would say, 1.4 billion barrels of working capacity for our crude storages. Uh, this is not only SPR, by the way. This also includes the NOC petroleum reserves, which is semi-official, uh, semi-strategic, uh, and, and as well as uh, commercial crude storages and refining operating stock. Uh, By the end of March, we estimate there were 1 billion barrels of crude already in the storage, indicating a filling rate around 70%. And coming into April, uh, we actually think the inventory level uh, uh, declined uh, because the refining margin now in China is super lucrative compared to the rest of the world. So um, what we're seeing is that all refineries in China are basically maximizing their runs because domestic product uh, markets uh, resume to positive growth. And also because of this margin in China, I don't know whether you guys are familiar with we have a floor price. So basically when oil price falls below $40 per barrel, our product price will freeze. So you can see that there's a super fat margin um, for processing the crude compared to storing the crude. That's why we're actually seeing a net withdrawal 
of uh, crude inventories in April. So crude inventory peaked at the end of March. This is the, the story. And if we could pivot a little bit to broader energy policy, we've seen governments around the world reacting to the economic downturn and all the problems of the pandemic through stimulus measures and measures to support the economy. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what China has done to react to the economic downturn and how this is affecting energy plans. Uh, how much is energy feeding into any stimulus measures that, that China has taken so far? Most of the Chinese stimulus uh, measures are focused on two areas. One is the uh, uh, infrastructure building. You know, this is what our government is very good at. Uh, they're familiar with. Uh, so they, uh, it, depending how you calculate all this, you know, infrastructure stimulus, uh, I would say it will be beyond uh, one trillion yuan at least, uh, or even two trillion yuan in terms of like infrastructure total uh, stimulus package. Um, another area is the waiver or, or defer of uh, taxation, especially for small, medium and micro businesses because these businesses are hit the hardest by the pandemic. In order to um, help them go, go through this most difficult period, the Chinese government first uh, waived or delayed some of the social security taxes because those are the heaviest burden of small businesses. And recently, I think two days ago, I see some policy of uh, like uh, you know, small companies can delay to pay income tax. Basically, these type of uh, policy measures to ensure that business goes through and the employ unemployment don't go to the roof because that will impact social security. And so for political reasons, uh, the government wants to help the company. To answer the border uh, energy question, when demand plunged, primary energy mix changed slightly. Due to the, the logistical challenges, actually coal were hit the hardest uh, during the pandemic, an idea of the pandemic. At the time, you know, the coal share in primary energy actually declined. And the gas penetration increased by more than 1%. Uh, thanks to the advantage of their, their transportation by pipeline. And even gas biopower had um, a bigger uh, utilization for existing capacity and also more a new capacity coming online in the first half of the year. So gas biopower actually achieved a, a very dashing growth, like a 30, 40, 50% growth uh, for some pro coastal provinces because they're flexible and the, the fuel transportation was easier. Oil uh, demand, obviously I talked about, it was bad in February, but now it's a positive, even double digit growth for some products. So, so that primary energy changed a little bit. Uh, for renewables, um, I think uh, hydro was impacted uh, because of the demand plunge for electricity. Um, in, in February, and so there are a lot of uh, abundant hydropower um, back in the first quarter. That's very interesting. You see um, gas-fired power generation showing some, some strength and some robustness in the last couple of months. I think there's been quite a bit of speculation that 
some of the policy emphasis on gas use in the power sector had diminished last year. Yeah, gas, as I, as I said, in February, I'm sure, uh, it was uh, negative growth. But in March, we estimate the real demand has recovered to a 3% year-on-year growth in March. And in April, the data hasn't come out yet. But our gut feeling is like uh, it's super strong. One indicator is that we don't have the, the LNG import data yet. But the truck distribution from LNG import terminals in April grew by 50% year on year. So the truck, you know, the liquid distribution of imported LNG had a stashing growth, partly because of demand recovery for overall, uh, overall gas, and partly because the trucked LNG is taking advantage of the cheap uh, spot LNG prices and encroaching into pipeline gas uh, market share. But that's an interesting phenomenon. Um, 50% year-on-year growth, it's, it's a big number for China. That's like uh, 1.9 million tons. Well, a big number for China means a big number globally. China's impact on energy demand is so outsized, it's really like no other place. If I could just get your thoughts on one other question quickly. This is a time when the entire energy sector globally is under so much pressure. Um, There's so much capital discipline. We're in a time of great uncertainty about how long the COVID-19 pandemic will last. I wonder if you could give some impressions on outward investment in energy from China how you see the national oil companies and other Chinese companies responding to this downturn. Do you see some potential for opportunistic investment and buying? How active do you think Chinese companies will be or, or are they in the same wait and see cautious mode as, as much of the industry around the world? Uh, this is a good question, but uh, unfortunately, uh, right now I think the geopolitics uh, are quite challenging. <laughs> this environment really is very challenging for Chinese overseas investment with a lot of the OECD governments, you know, excusing China for the coronavirus. Actually, low energy prices is a good timing for um, overseas acquisitions. Um, but unfortunately, oil companies are also like very uh, cash constrained right now. Uh, especially in Q1, basically every segment of the oil value chains was losing money. Coming to Q2, it would be slightly better. At least their high price uh, oil, uh, crude oil inventory will be gone. So they started to use uh, cheaper crude for the refining sector. But first quarter was really difficult. So companies are all very over like reacting to, to this. So at least they're psychologically prepared for of some very difficult uh, months or years to come. So I think the spending will be cut across the board. But in terms of uh, uh, markets, I, th- I think not only for energy companies, but for, for all kinds of businesses, uh, Chinese companies will look more uh, into domestic consumption rather than overseas markets. Well, we are about out of time, I think, Um, but we are living through extraordinary times for the global energy industry, and it's so important to get voices from some of the key demand centers and markets like China. I really want to thank you, Yao, for joining us. Um, Yao Li is the CEO of SIA Energy, 
And thank you so much for your time and your insights. Thank you. It's really a pleasure to, to talk to everyone. Thanks for listening to Energy 360. We hope you enjoyed this deep dive. Look for more episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Look for us at CSIS.org and follow us on Twitter at CSIS Energy. Energy.